Hello out there in Radioland. This is Bob Sayre and Joseph Cathcart, and this is the Church Plus Coffee with Friends podcast. I was thinking, maybe you should just call this the Bobcast. But that's a, a good, nice that's a good name. It. Yeah, the Bobcast. If I do... Here on the Bobcast with me today is Joseph Cathcart. If I do a spinoff, I might use that. The reason I said hello out there in Radioland is because we had a teacher at IBC... I think oh. the best teacher, doctor, he was the best, Van Gill. And it was really funny because anytime there was this awkward pause in class, like he would say something profound and then we had just eaten like six tacos and we'd just be like sleeping. Mm-hmm. He'd say, hello out there in radio land. Yes. And it's just like such good memories from that. One That's of funny. my, he always said clarified his name at the beginning of the year my name is not van gill my name is not van gill my name is van gill two names because a lot of people's last name starts with van i see you know i, I never heard him say that van go that must have been a special inside joke with van him dowskowitz my favorite thing is that he would keep a squirt gun in the days before i got to ibc he'd keep a squirt gun and use it to squirt people who were sleeping Really? Yeah. Isn't that the coolest thing? He's the coolest teacher ever. He never did that in my class. Well, he didn't do it in my class either, but I heard the legends of it from my sister's classes. Sounds like a legend that is getting stretched. There was another guy who would sleep in class all the time, and he told everyone, he said, shh, everyone go to your next class. And they would all go to their next class, and that guy woke up in the next class with a different teacher. Really? Yeah, I just he slept the whole time. Yeah, yeah, in between he just classes. Kept sleeping. You know how it is at IBC. You're working so, midnight, trying to pay your bill. Yeah, exactly. Truth's credit struggles. Mm-hmm. We're talking about IBC in San Antonio, Texas, where we both went to Bible College studying theology. And I just actually <laughs> really mine it was, was more a of missions. A, it was more of a study, and and there was like a very little difference between the missions and theology just because it was basically like general ministry. Yeah, there were like two different classes or something. But so, some, sometimes so I would tell me, people... So teach me your wisdom from your missions track. Uh, yes, I did. Yes, cross-cultural studies and I took, religions. I took that. Did you... What was your What was your thrust? Missions or ministry or music? <laughs> That's not funny. It's uh, <laughs> not a joke. But there was my, a music program too, but it died. Well, I mean, it stopped. Yeah, mine, mine was theology. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but I don't think it was much different from missions or anything else. When my parents went to college in years too, I think they called it divinity. So you would take a, they would say you had a bachelor's in divinity. That's cool. Yeah. So <laughs> what I was saying, and here I am again with a nice, that's cool. No, that's, hey. All right. I need to get some more adjectives to complement what you're saying. While we were going to Bible college, we're in San Antonio. So, of course, the Mexican food is the best. And mm-hmm. there was there's lots of cool little taco joints around where the Bible college was. And so we learned to stretch the art of getting tacos in between class. Sometimes we'd have like 10 minutes was almost impossible. But if you knew that you had maybe 15 minutes... That's right in the line. And a lot of times there would be people going to pick up tacos with 15 minutes in between class. Mm-hmm. Well, my favorite thing is when we actually used the class period with the teachers 
because IBC had gotten small enough by that point that we could spend some of our classes with the teachers at the taco stand. Right. And so, you know, we would be like, Hey, you know, we really want to have like some heartfelt discussions about God and like, did Adam have, have a belly button? And they'd be like, yeah, sure. Let's go. Let's go get some tacos and let's talk about it. <laughs> There's nothing and then we'd like, sit there like eating tacos the whole time, not talking. There's nothing like three bacon and egg tacos with, the salsa, I mean, good hot sauce, and an horchata. If there's, uh, for our San Antonio fans, do you remember the name of that place? El Sol de Jalisco, I think. I mean, that's the orange place. Okay. Is it still open? Yeah. I, El Sol de Jalisco. I went two years ago and it was still open. So, of course, like a lot of places in San Antonio, if you get three tacos of the same kind, it's like 225. 225. Incredible. So it's really bad, though, no because food you, is that cheap you had Montana. to eat three tacos. You couldn't just eat two. You couldn't eat one. Like, you're pretty much, it's cheaper if you get three tacos. And an horchata. I'm never a big horchata fan, but... Horchata. Horchata. Yeah. But they're good. I like them every now and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I miss those days. I miss the taco days. Yeah, I could use some good tacos right now. Are you enjoying this fall weather? It's still hot in Japan. Well, it's getting a little bit cooler. Not much. We're getting into, like, mid to late September. It feels pretty good. I'm being too negative. It hasn't been cool for me yet. It'd be nice if it was a little bit cooler. Yeah, how about you? You like the cool weather. I love the cool weather. Are you a PSL fan? Here I am showing my ignorance again. I don't know what PSL is. PSL stands for pumpkin spice latte. (laughs) I thought it was like a computer programming thing. No, I've never had one, I don't think. Sorry. You, You really have never had one? No, but I've read the post on Facebook about pumpkin spice lattes i just have never you know if i ever go there i just would i guess i tend towards coffee i do too i i like brewed coffee the best that's all i ever get if i go to a coffee shop but i really like the pumpkin spice latte it looks good and it sounds good when i worked at dairy queen when i was 15 16 17 we had a pumpkin pie blizzard and that was really good but you know i don't think that that's along the same lines exactly for some reason in Japan, they don't have pumpkin spice latte. So I'm kind of missing that this time of year. Ever? They don't even at like around Halloween, they don't have it? They've never had it in Japan. Like I've looked it up online, like do they have it? And everyone says they don't have it in Japan. So I was really surprised when my dad, who's a missionary to China, said that they have the pumpkin spice latte there. Oh. How soon do they start it in America, bringing that out? Like late August. Wow. They really get it yeah. out there early. Yeah. Don't you think I'll drink it a couple times a season, but not not too much. Don't you think there's something in humans that always wants to get to the next thing prematurely? Like we want to get to fall before summer's over. We want to get to Christmas before fall's over. I know. We those, want to get to those St. Patrick's Day that, before Christmas is over. Those people that open presents on Christmas <laughs> Eve. That's a little bit much for me. I think that's different, but we, yeah, we'll we save that for the Christmas broadcast. But yeah, I love anything pumpkin, pumpkin bread, pumpkin pie. April makes some great pumpkin desserts. Yeah, last night Whitney made a nice pumpkin custard with some maple syrup. It was really, really good. That sounds really good. You guys should make that for us sometime, and then we'll make you. We'll like trade. We'll make you something, and you make us something. Deal. I had a question for you because I've been seeing this everywhere lately. Are you ready for it? Yeah, I'm here. I think I might know what your answer is, but what do you think about the future of meat? Like the future of meat? 
you know, we all eat meat, right? It's good. It tastes uh-huh. great. Especially for us American consumers, we eat a lot of meat. And sometimes we'll eat meat like seven days a week for two meals a day. Question is, is that a little bit excessive? Should we not eat so much meat? And that's why we have things like the Impossible Burger. The Impossible Burger. Could you enlighten me a little bit? It's a burger that supposedly, I haven't had it yet, but I want to try it. It's got the properties of meat. Oh my goodness. Nice and red, nice and juicy. Oh my goodness. Nice and firm. I can't take this. But it's It's not meat. This is not like a newsflash. Like this is, you know, it's out there in society. But anyway, it's protein based. What what is, what is it made out of? It's made out of these plants that they like find in the jungle where they open it up. And when you like look at it, it almost looks like it's is not, it, but it looks like red hamburger meat or something. So is it made out of plants or does it have a few plants in there and it's made out of synthetic materials? From what I understand, it's all made out of plants. I don't know I'm if not I would believe that an or not. authority on this subject. But what do you think about that idea of just mixing it up in our diet? And so you'll go like Burger King sells a Whopper with Impossible Burger. And you a lot of fast food restaurants now, like Carl's Jr., they sell Beyond Meat. And it's just an option. Beyond Meat. Man. To mix up your diet to where you're not consuming so much meat. Because in, in the old days, you know, if you think about our parents, the way they grew up after World War II, they would have meat, but maybe... It would be like a small piece of chicken, and then right. you'd have all these other dishes around it. Exactly. It wasn't just like this huge slab of meat right. that we would eat. And I think that's the answer. I think that, uh, especially in American diet, see, it's not the same in other parts of the world, but in an American diet, it's probably way too much meat, excessive, because it's the land of plenty, and hey, we want meat and potatoes, but let's have less potatoes and more meat. So the size of meat, the portioning has gotten way bigger, and that's probably not healthy. I mean, because... If you look at the way it could naturally be, if you didn't have a freezer process, you eat, I mean, you kill an animal. I don't know. You're not having two meals a day, all the meat you want. So I think we eat too much meat uh, in the American diet. And, but yeah, a small portion of meat with a big salad, big, lots of vegetables. I think that's a good, healthy diet. That's how I eat. We're clearly not the authorities on this, but your, your opinion, what, how much meat should we eat a day? Should we eat? red meat every day well i don't measure it out or or anything like that i know how we eat we eat uh very healthy we eat mostly vegetables but we eat smaller portions of meat too but i mean we have red meat probably twice a week we usually have lamb because it's cheaper in japan and then we'll have chicken on the other days but i'm fine going a day uh with no meat too but then again you know i'm usually eating eggs or cheese as some kind of protein you know plenty of food but how much should we eat? Probably just smaller portions and bigger portions so, of the good stuff. What would you say to those that might bring up that eating meat was part of the curse? Part of like, the do you, curse. Do you think that's, God said you could eat the animals after they were expelled from the garden? Oh, yeah. Well, what of it? Like, is that a signal that maybe we shouldn't eat meat that much, that we're eating it kind of out of a necessity, maybe? If we were living in the same exact climate as the garden and everything was the same, then maybe. But I think that was, I think the garden was only fruit. I don't think there was any vegetables in the garden. Doesn't it say in chapter two somewhere that, you know, from now on, you're going to have to do the herb yielding seed and stuff like that, plants? Before that, it was just fruit, from my understanding. I'm not 100% sure, but maybe you could look that up. Joseph uses the King James version. So sometimes things could get lost in translation a little bit. Okay, yeah, so this is actually something that I used to use to try to get away from eating vegetables, saying they weren't part of God's original plan. 
Uh, God says to Adam in Genesis 3.17, To Adam he said, Because thou hearkened to the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. So that's just, I took that little eat the herb of the field as being part of the curse. I wouldn't say it the same way now, but it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing that so I used to So when you were say. a kid, you used to get out of eating vegetables that way? No, actually, I've always really liked vegetables, but I thought it was funny. I think anything in the right level of temperance and moderation, too much meat is not going to be healthy for you. Too much only greens probably isn't that healthy for you. Too much wheat, bread is not going to be that healthy for you, but a good balance of those things and the nutrients. Do you have any movie recommendations this week? Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Jimmy Stewart, 1939. Frank Capra, relevant today. Black and white, excellently done. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Especially as we get into the um, whole political season again. When is that, next year? Yeah, I mean, it's, but, I mean, I guess it's, always, it. it's always going on. It's so good, and it really pinpoints the, you know, there's bad politics, and then there's... You know, there's got to be some good out there, too. So watch that one. It's a classic. Everyone's probably seen it. I have a pairing of a book and a movie that I really like. Okay. It's been a couple months since I first listened and read them both, but I really, really like it. The first one is, it's called The Darkest Hour, and it's about Winston Churchill. And the first month or so after he becomes prime minister, it's really just amazing to see how he basically saved the Western world where America at that point was unwilling to come in. And if Winston Churchill hadn't come in and said, we shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight on the landing grounds, we shall fight in the fields and in the streets, we shall fight in the hills, we shall never surrender. Europe would have definitely been taken over. And at that point, it would have been impossible for the United States to ever come and liberate Europe. When Augustus was a baby, we always commented that he looked and had the the personality kind of of Winston Churchill in his face. Didn't smile, kind of grumpy look, but just really looked like him. Yeah. If you would have put the same hat on him, you would have thought, it's Winston Churchill as a baby. Do you know what Winston Churchill said? Give me liberty or give me death? No, it wasn't him. That might have been Patrick Henry. Okay. But Churchill said, because someone once said, hey, you look like, ba- you look like my baby. And he said, dear, all babies look like me. Well, but your your son does look like him. Well, more. the other day, actually, we found out that Whitney's side of the family, it looks like she's related to the Churchills. So maybe it's in the blood. Yeah. I might be related to Pocahontas. Really? I mean, we're all, it's kind of, that something like that's a little bit hard to judge. I because guess I'm gullible. We're really? All, because we're all related to someone, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, we yeah. all come from history. It doesn't take it's much really to hard be related to, to It's really hard to know. So that was the movie, The Darkest Hour. Really recommend Wait, so what's the book? It's really Same good. title? The book is called Churchill, Walking with Destiny by Andrew Roberts. It's really good because it's the first... I see it. It's a huge it's book. on my shelf. It's the first Churchill biography I've ever read, and I want to read other ones. But this one is cool because it's an updated one. It was just released last year, and they have some diaries and things that weren't available before. So it gives a lot of new perspective on Churchill. And what I like about it is it's one volume. A lot of Churchill biographies are split into three, but this is all one. And it's a really, really good book. Yeah, anyways, those are a few recommendations for you guys this week if you want to check them out. 
If people have questions for us, how can they give us questions? Oh, goodness. That'd be so cool if people sent in questions. Yeah. So if you want to send us a question, you can probably just send us one on Facebook. You can look for Bobby Sayer on Facebook or Joseph Cathcart. Send us a question if you have anything about anything we've been discussing. Each week, we like to talk about something different, kind of bring a focus for it, something fun, something interesting that we like to talk about. So for this week, we're going to talk about the moral law. Oh, yes, that sounds good. And the moral law, for those of you who don't know, a lot of Christians use this as proof for God's existence. Because throughout time and culture, it doesn't matter what country you go to, what time period, it seems at least that all of these countries and places have these certain unspoken rules like do not kill do not steal i've always thought that was interesting what do you think about that idea of the moral law yeah and it's always in it's not sometimes it's not spoken sometimes it is spoken but they all usually are along the same lines there are differences but in general there is a so you would agree that there is probably a moral law that humans universally will recognize inside themselves, inside their conscience. Absolutely, and I think that's according to the Bible as well. In Romans 2, it says in verse 14, when the Gentiles, which have not the law, meaning the law of Moses, the law given to the Israelites, they do by nature the things contained in the law, do not kill, do not commit adultery, or they at least believe those things are bad. These having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts their conscience also bearing witness, their thoughts the meanwhile, accusing or else excusing one another. So you see that all over the world, no matter where you are, people are always either excusing themselves or excusing their friends. Like, well, he did this, but he did it because of this, some moral reason, or they're accusing each other. People always judge other people. I like what C.S. Lewis says, where he says, no matter what culture you go to, there's this idea of valor that you shouldn't run away in battle mm-hmm. or you shouldn't double cross a friend. And where do we get that idea that that's something to aspire to? Right. Yeah. It's definitely written in our hearts. It seems like it. And another question that C.S. Lewis poses or discusses, in, especially in his book, Mere Christianity, is do you think that morality has been consistent? Like, Because if there's a law, then it seems like it would need to stay consistent throughout time and humanity. Or has morality changed or improved, especially in our modern day culture. Because people like to look at themselves and think, well, my, my life is moral. I'm a good person. I don't steal. I don't kill. I'm not perfect, but I try to live my life in a very moral way. Whereas in the old days, we would have child sacrifices. It, it seemed like it was a much more brutal world a long time ago. Yeah, but a lot of that, I think, is not based on more morality these days, but because of inconvenience. I mean, if you were to do that kind of thing now, governments are going to come out and get you because there are, you know, there are rulers and there are police and there's people, even if they may want to do those things, they're not allowed to do them because they know that there's going to be a consequence and that will keep people from doing it. So one of the examples that C.S. Lewis gives in the book is a long time ago, we used to especially in England, Europe, they used to kill witches. If you were a witch, they would, you know, have these crazy trials or the mobs would just come and they would just kill them. And we don't do that today. Why do we not kill witches today? I have no idea. So the point that he makes is morality has not gotten better. People just stopped believing in witches. Okay. Does that does that make sense? So they just stopped believing that so they could do saying, anything? So he's saying that if someone really 
received supernatural powers from the devil and were using those powers to kill their neighbors like witches do. If that was a true thing, if that was a real thing, we would still agree today uh, that see. putting witches to death would be necessary. I, I think there are discrepancies all over the world in the moral law that people hold in their hearts, but they all are along the same line of things. So the Bible says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So God will punish people who hold the truth and still act in unrighteousness. Doesn't mean I don't think that everyone agrees that exactly the same thing, but the big things usually are. So killing is usually wrong. At least killing people in your own tribe, people would still view that as wrong. You know, taking another man's wife is usually wrong in any tribe or culture. I think sometimes people can get so far away from that that they, you know, revel in or rejoice that in that. They can people can violate their consciences, right? And God can give them over to a reprobate mind when they continue to do that. So, when when thinking about this, thinking about the moral law in the way Christians view the world view, versus maybe someone who's not a Christian, there's a couple of different ways to look at it. And the first is the materialist view, okay. which is just the way. You're just an average person. You don't really believe in God. And then there's the religious view. And there's two different ways to look at it. With the religious view, it says that if an architect built a house, you normally don't meet or see the architect, but you can see what he's like according to what he built. You can get a sense of who he is and what he's all about by the way that he constructed it and put it together. So that's the religious view. Okay. Does that... Does that ring true with you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And then the materialist view is, of course, that life just happens to exist, that we're just here by chance. Right. Christians or people who look at it from that perspective say that the moral law gives us a glimpse of what God is like. Right. And what it tells about about God is that there's a goodness in his character because he doesn't want little children killed. He doesn't want you to steal from your neighbor. He, it, it gives us a little bit of insight about the, his world and the way that he's constructed it and the laws that he's put into place. What I love about that is it also shows that we agree with God. So I believe 100% that when people stand before the white throne judgment of God, no one will stand there surprised, but they will all be completely aware that they have sinned. They will all be completely aware of their sin because it even violates their own conscience and they will stand there knowing that that they're worthy of destruction absolutely there's one more third view do you want to guess what that is no just a general view of life and and you know people think oh this is silly it doesn't really i don't live my life according through those lenses but really it does come down to these three to the religious view or christian view the materialist view and the creative evolution view okay can you explain that one so this view says that yes i will this view says that we need god for comfort he's there in case we need him he's like a santa claus figure who's there to make us feel good during difficult times or you know when we need him but we don't have to live with the consequences of living under a sovereign god we don't have to follow the rules when we want to, but he's there to help us if we need him. So this view says that God used the evolutionary process to mm-hmm. bring about what we see today. And so they like to take the best of both worlds. 
all about peace, bringing people together. That's what they like to do. Yeah. Yeah, people like to do that kind of thing. And we've noticed that there's a lot of Christians lately who are trending toward this. Well, I think the problem is you could have this conversation with any of those people and just ask them, then who is the judge of what is right and wrong? Because everyone has a belief about what is right and what is wrong. And people judge other people. Like they might excuse themselves because they have, you know, reasons for what they did, but they judge other people. And Jesus said, with what measure you judge people, it will be measured out to you again. So if I look at someone and say, he ought not like rule over, you know, smaller people than him. He ought not use his uh, position for, for power. But then if I were ever to do that, I'm doing the exact same thing that I'm judging him for. And Romans talks all about that. Right. So. Would you say it's true? People don't want God because they want the moral law. People think they agree. Okay, yeah, the moral law is good. We shouldn't do these certain things. They like the moral law, but they don't like when it applies to them. They don't like when light hits their life. They don't like to be found out for being sinners. None of us They do. think it's great when it's someone else, but when it's themselves, they don't like it. So the condemnation is that men love darkness rather than light because our deeds are evil. So we prefer to be in the dark without God, without any light being shined on our wickedness because we've all had these wicked deeds, done bad things. And so, yeah, I mean, so that's it's easy to uh, exclude God because no one wants to yeah, own up to okay. what they've done. I, I think there's a general agreement that the moral law is good, right? I mean, because that's a basic thing that we need to agree on as humans. Do we think that killing someone is good or bad? Right. Good things are rewarded. Bad things are rewarded with bad things. So if you don't believe in moral law, why can't you just go kill someone? Like what in the evolutionary process is telling you that that is wrong to do? Because we're all just here by chance. It's whoever's the strongest survives. What? Why should I place any limits on my behavior or my standard of morality? Right. One of the things that C.S. Lewis says is if the universe is not good, all our efforts are hopeless. So we either live in a good world that God made or really whatever we do in our daily life, it really doesn't make a difference at all. And if our universe has a good force behind it, which in this case we believe it's God, we can either be on the side of goodness or against the side of goodness. And that's what it comes down to. Either we are with God and the goodness that he offers us, or we're standing in opposition to that. Right. Well said. So it can be goodness is either a great safety, it can protect us, or it can be a great danger to us. Well, yeah, it definitely is. Because, because you know, no one's living up to their own measure of righteousness even. So it's, yeah, no yeah. one will be surprised. That comes back to what you were saying, that when we realize there's a moral law and we have broken that moral law, that's when Christianity really begins to reveal itself. That's why the gospel is such good news, because if we all were to think about it, we would all realize that we've broken our own moral law, broken the moral law, and we realize that, man, we need a sacrifice for us. We need a way to get right with God again. That's why... It drives me crazy when people say Christianity is a crutch or you go to God because you're looking to be comforted because C.S. Lewis makes this point. Christianity starts in discomfort, not comfort. Mm. It's by realizing that you've broken that moral law and that you are in opposition and war with God, that there's a God who 
can tell you what's right and wrong and that you are in the wrong. Right, which is what's so amazing about when the Bible promises us peace, peace with God. We're no longer the enemies of God through faith in Jesus, which is good because I don't want to be his enemy because he's going to win. Right, and and we come to Christianity realizing that we are the enemies of the good. Right. Think about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. C.S. Lewis, again, dropping his name a couple times, but he says, if you look for comfort in the end, you will find nothing. That God, people think, oh, God's just this, you know, Cosmo crutch that you can just Mm. lean on. But people don't come to Christianity for comfort. They come because they realize how evil they are. Right, and how broken they are, and how in need they are. And so the moral law brings us to God inevitably, but it brings us to God on a low note, not a high note. And Mm -hmm. some people don't like that. And that's what keeps people from submitting to a sovereign God because they don't want to admit that, I mean, People tell themselves, I live a moral life. I'm fine. I don't do anything bad. I'm nice to my neighbors. And why do I have to go to a God who says that I'm evil and there's nothing good in me and myself? Right. But those same people, if, you know, prodded enough, I think they would agree that they've all done something at one point or another that violates their own conscience and that they would say is wrong. And they'd say, well, I try not to do that anymore. But then you get into the question of how righteous is God and how righteous do you need to be in order to be in his presence? And if it's 100%, then it's not 99%, which is why the blood of Jesus making us 100% righteous makes it possible to know him. Right. Do you know what atheists say about the moral law? No. Culture? So it seems no one really has a good answer to it, but what they say is that humans just learned these behaviors over time and that we all just agreed as a society that certain things were not good to do and other things were good to do. Okay. Still doesn't make sense why we all agreed on the same thing. So you have from different cultures from the other Japan, side of the world. who's on an island and right. they generally have the same principles that you shouldn't cower in battle. Right. Just as they do in medieval England. Right. Absolutely. But anyways, the moral lot, I think it's a really interesting thing to talk about. And I think it's a, one of the great proofs for, why God exists, and not just why he exists, but why God is good. Absolutely. Love your thoughts on that. Yeah. Enjoying this music. What are you up to the rest of the day? I'm going to go wash some windows. All right. Window washing for Jesus. Hey, thanks for joining us again. We can't wait to share more with you. Join us next week. Have a great week.